Chapter 6 Hypocritical Courtship and Marriage to a Godly, Rich Young Lady And what was the other thing? It's what I hinted about before. He looked for a rich wife. And now I've come to some more of how he invented, devised, and planned a detestable deceit, which will affirm him to be a most desperate sinner. The thing was this. He wanted a wife, or rather, money. Because as for a woman, he could have whores enough. All he had to do was whistle, and they'd come to do his bidding. But as I said, he wanted money and decided he must get it through a wife, or no way at all. He couldn't easily get a wife either, unless he became an artist at misleading. And he couldn't successfully mislead among people who could put on an act as well as he could. But a young woman lived near him who was both godly and had a good portion of money. But how to get her? This would take all his cunning. He called a council made up of some of his most trusted, sly companions, and shared his thoughts with them, namely that he had decided to marry, and he also told them to whom. But, he said, how will I accomplish my goal? She's religious, and I'm not. One of his companions replied, Since she is religious, you must pretend to be the same, and you must do this for some time before you approach her. Watch where she goes each day to hear the word taught, and go there too. But when you do, be sure to behave like you are serious, as if you like the word and think it wonderful. Make sure to stand where she can see you, and when you walk home, be sure to walk the street like one with a clear head, and go within sight of her. Once you've done this for a while, then go to her. First talk about how sorry you are for your past sins, and show great love for the religion she is part of, and speak well about her preachers. Then mention how happy you are to make her godly acquaintance, and express sorrow that your difficult circumstances prevented you from meeting with her and the believers she meets with sooner. This is the way to get her. Also, you must write down sermons, talk about scripture, and deny that you came to woo her, but that you are only drawn to her because she is godly and that you would consider it your greatest happiness if you might have such a relationship in the future. As for her money, disregard it. Act as if it is the furthest thing from your mind. This is the way to gain quickest access to it, because in the beginning she will be protective of it, and will think you are only after her money. So make no mention of it. Do this, and see if you don't catch the young woman. And so, in this manner, the snare was laid for this poor honest maiden, and she was quickly caught in his pit. What? You mean to say he took this advice? Yes, he did. And after a while, he boldly went to her under the mask of religion, pretending to be an honest and godly sort, of the sincerest and most upright in England. He paid careful attention to follow the strategy outlined and the advice given by his companions, and quickly gained her attention, because physically he was tall, blonde, and dressed in plain but very nice clothes. Along with this, he easily accomplished the guise of being religious because he'd witnessed it in the house of his father and his first boss. As a result, he readily took up the guise 
and put on a convincing show of it. So he selected the day and went to her, which he could easily do because she didn't have either father or mother to put forth opposition to him. When he arrived, he gave her a polite compliment to let her know why he'd come. He went on to tell her that he'd found a great deal of love in his heart for her, and that, of all the young women in the world, he'd fixed headlong on her. He said, If you think it fit, I'd like to make you my beloved wife. The reasons he gave for why he had settled on her were her religious and excellent personal qualities. With such words, he pleaded with her to take his offer into her tender and loving consideration. As for the world, he said, I have a very good trade and can support myself and my family well, while my wife can remain at rest. He went on to tell her he had such and such amount of money already and that he had money coming in every day. But that isn't the only thing I aim for. What I desire is an honest and godly wife. Then he would present her with a good book, or two, pretending how much good he had gotten from them himself. Along with this, he often took time to speak positively about godly ministers, especially those whom he could see she liked most. Besides this, he often spoke to her about what a godly father he had, and what a new man he was becoming himself. And so, in this way, this treacherous schemer dealt with this honest and good girl, much to her own grief and sorrow, as you'll soon hear. Didn't this young girl have a friend to look after her? Her father and mother were dead. Mr. Badman knew all this and figured she could be more easily overcome by his naughty, lying tongue. But even if she had many friends, she might still have been deceived by him because it is too common a custom of young people today to think themselves wise enough to make their own decisions. They think they don't need to ask counsel or advice from those who are older and wiser than them. But this is a great mistake, and many of them have paid for it dearly. To be brief, Mr. Badman obtained his desire in little time. He got this honest girl and her money. He married her, brought her home, made a feast, entertained her royally, but payment of it all came from her money. This was an astonishingly deceitful plan. A person will seldom hear of anything like it. By doing this, he showed how little he feared God and what little dread he had about his coming judgments because all this behavior and all these words were a premeditated evil. He knew he lied. He knew he put on an act. Yes, he knew that he made use of the name of God, of religion, of good men and good books, but as a false pretense of his real intentions. And in so doing, he was better able to catch his prey. In all this glorious pretense of religion, he was nothing but a gloriously painted hypocrite, and hypocrisy is the highest sin a poor carnal wretch can reach. It is also a sin that most dares God, and that also brings greater damnation. He was now a whitewashed wall, a painted sepulcher. Scripture Hypocrites for ye are like unto whitewashed sepulchres, who indeed appear beautiful outside, 
but inside are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Matthew 23, verse 27. He was an unseen grave. Scripture. Hypocrites, for ye are as graves which are not seen, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. Luke 11, verse 44. For this poor, honest, godly woman had no idea that her peace and comfort, her property, her freedom, and even her very person were all going to her burial when she planned to be married to Mr. Badman. But that was the case, for once she married, she enjoyed herself very little. It was as if she was dead and buried to the life she'd enjoyed before. I'm sure some great judgment of God must accompany and overtake such wicked men as these. You can be sure they will face judgment for all these things to the full when the day of judgment comes. But as for judgment on them in this life, it doesn't always come, not on those who are worthy of it. Scripture Those that work wickedness are prospered. Those that tempted God have escaped. Malachi 3 verse 15 but they are held in reserve for the day of wrath, and then God will repay them to their faces for their wickedness. Scripture The wicked is reserved for the day of destruction. They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. Who shall declare his way to his face? And who shall repay him what he has done? He shall yet be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. Job 21 verses 30-32 that is, ordinarily they escape God's hand in this life, except for a few examples that can be used to caution others, but on the day of judgment they must be rebuked for their evil with the lashes of devouring fire. Can't you give me examples of God's wrath on people who have taken part in such an awful wicked deed like Mr. Badman's? Yes, there's Hamor and Shechem and all the men of their city for attempting to make God and religion a false pretense, concealing their real intentions to get Jacob's daughters as wives. They were all slain with the edge of the sword, a judgment of God upon them, no doubt for their subterfuge. Scripture And it came to pass on the third day, when they were sore, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. And they slew Hamor at Shechem, his son, with the edge of the sword. Genesis 34, verses 25 through 26. All manner of lying and misleading is dreadful, but to use God and religion as a disguise to blind the eyes of others from your hypocrisy greatly provokes the divine majesty. I knew one person who didn't live too far from our town who secured a wife in the same way Mr. Badman got his, but he didn't enjoy her for long, because one night, as he rode home from spending time with his companion in a neighboring town, his horse threw him to the ground. He was found there dead at daybreak the following morning, frightfully mangled from his fall and smeared with his own blood. Please, just return to Mr. Badman's story again. How did he carry on with his wife once he was married to her? No, let's take things in order as we go. He'd only been married a short time when his creditors came after him for their money. He put them off for a little while, but finally things came to the point that he had to pay them 
or face something worse. So he arranged a time, and they came for their money for goods which he'd profusely spent among his whores in his past. He paid them with her money, and two hundred pounds of the money his father gave him, right before her eyes. This was a bad beginning for their marriage, but what can I say? It was just like Mr. Badman to do this. Poor woman, this was really a bad beginning for her. I fear it would have troubled her and filled her with fear, which I think would be the case for women much stronger than her. Trouble? You can be sure of it. But it was too late to change her mind. She should have been wary and looked after herself better when it could have done her good. Now her trouble and the harm she endured can only benefit others who learn from it. But as for herself, she had to accept what followed, even living life with Mr. Badman as her husband. And where that led her was bad enough. Right from the start it was bad, and yet I fear it was only the beginning of bad. You can be sure of it. That was only the start of badness, because other evils came on swiftly. For instance, just a short time after he was married, he hung his religion out to dry. Or really, he dealt with it like old clothes and threw it off, leaving it for others to wear. As far as he was concerned, he would be religious no longer. Now that he'd pulled off his mask and began to show his true self, the base, wicked, immoral self, the poor woman saw that she was undeniably betrayed. And at this point his old companions began to flock around him again and to visit his house and shop like formerly. And who joined in with them but Mr. Badman? Now the good people who used to enjoy companionship and camaraderie with his wife began to be astonished and discouraged at his behavior. He frowned and pouted at them as if he abhorred even looking at them, and in a little time he isolated her by driving away all good company from her. At this point, he also began to go out and about at night to visit those prostitutes and low-life women with whom he became familiar before his marriage. He stayed with them sometimes till midnight, sometimes until almost morning, and then he'd come home as drunk as a swine. This was the habit of Mr. Badman. He called his companions together, and they advised him how to get her. Then he presented her with a good book or two, pretending how much good he'd gained from it. Thus was the snare laid for this poor, honest maid, and she was quickly caught in his pit. Scripture Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Acts 5, verse 4 